Welcome back to another episode of Molding the Mindset. Today, I have a very special guest on the podcast, my good friend, Mr. Jose Chavez. Jose, are you there now this time? Let's try this again. I'm here, loud and clear. Great. That sounds awesome. Perfect. Perfect. So what's going on, man? How are you? Well, you know what? Uh, I always say this to, to anyone that asks me that question. If I complained, it'd be a sin. I'm, I'm great. I get to be here, so it's, it's a blessing. So no complaints on my end. That, that's, you know, I just read something interesting. Actually, that's a terrible question for me to, for you to ask people. Do, do you agree? Do you agree with that? How are you? Yeah. Well, you, if you wanted to know the truth, I tell you, you know, I had a flat tire earlier and then uh, I, I got a bill for a toll tag that I thought I paid. So you don't want to hear all that. You want to hear positive stuff. Is, do you think that's do you think that's right? Do you think that's why people don't necessarily like just say, you know, good. That's just a generic answer. Good. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing good. Yeah, most most people won't tell you the truth. Why do you think that is? Yeah, well, you know, we've been conditioned to to always, you know, by default, uh, assume positive intent. Lead with. Yeah, yeah, no, I I can see that. That makes sense. So, you and I have an interesting relationship, right? Um, as we had kind of, um, you know, talked about doing this podcast episode. Which, by the way, thank you again for for doing this. Um, I kind of started to talk about it a little more and I never really thought about the fact that you and I have a pretty unique relationship in the sense that we've actually never met in person. Correct. But we still, you know, we still speak, we still keep in constant communication. Um, and I think it's really unique that we're able to even just do a podcast episode again. Never met in person. We've, you know, we've spoken on the phone a few times. We have some really good conversations, but I think we share a lot in common. It's, it's kind of strange, right? It's a little, it's a little weird. Yeah, I, I'd argue that. I think uh, we we look at it that way because it's uh, unorthodox, right, in the traditional mm-hmm. way. Um, but if you look around on how we communicate, really, as a society, you'll find that we communicate in weird ways today, and we don't think anything different of it, right? I think about all the uh, social media apps, this, that, and the other, and we're completely okay with sending a stranger an email and looking for uh, an opportunity to connect, and, and we can't do that through friendship. So, yeah, it's it's different, but mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's also the social norm today, and it's acceptable. That's true. I guess I, I could see that. I guess that makes sense, especially with social media people now. People, I guess that's actually, I guess I shouldn't say weird. That's actually kind of normal now at this point with how, how communication kind of uh, works at this point. Um, so you and I were originally introduced through one of my mentors who I'd mentioned in my previous podcast, um, Joe Clark. And Joe, and if anyone, I don't know if anyone listening to this might know Joe, but Joe is a is a is a super connector. I kind of refer to him as right. He he's he's someone who's always looking to put someone in contact. If you need someone, you know, if you're looking for someone, he's always someone who can point you in the right direction or say, "Hey, Joe's great line is, hey, I need you to talk to this person." <laughs> so he always, so he always, hey, I need you to talk to this person. So tell, fill me in on a little bit of the background on how you you and Joe got involved. I mean, kind of how I came into the picture and how you and I started to. Yeah. To, to, to give Joe a name, I'd probably be doing him a disservice, but I'll, I'll call Joe the, I'll, I'll call him our modern Cupid um, <laughs> in the professional world. Yeah. Um, Joe has a way of providing feedback 
and connecting the dots, um, unlike uh, very few leaders that I've met in, in my career. But to answer your question, Joe and I met um, through an interview process of one of the previous firms that he worked at for an opportunity that I was being interviewed for. And um, him and I connected more on a personal level than we did on a professional level. And, um, you know, the opportunity didn't didn't pan out like we thought it would. Um, there were some things uh, in the background that needed to take place before uh, I came on board. And then he ended up going to a different firm. And so. So, yeah. So Joe and I uh, stayed in contact on a personal level and, and really, you know, when we were in that interview process at the firm he was at previously, um, naturally, the conversation just evolved to two people that are looking um, and had a common interest. And Joe and I's interest was very simple to me, at least at the time, which is he really believed in people and he believed that people, um, those with talent, potential, desire, passion and drive uh, were the future of of the organization. And, you know, with my background in leadership, um, him and I aligned perfectly. So him and I were having a conversation, you know, after the fact, and and he was providing me with some feedback, and, and he had mentioned to me that he had a nephew that he thought, you know, really highly of. And he said, look, Jose, I, I you know, if, it, if, if you have some capacity, I'd love for you to connect with my nephew. He has uh, a tremendous amount of potential, not sure what he wants to do in life, and I feel like you could um, if anything, give them counsel, sound guidance, and just provide them with different perspective. And I said, without hesitation, absolutely, give me his information. I'll reach him out, and uh, I'd love to connect with him, right? If, if anyone gives you an opportunity, whether you're ready or not, uh, you know, I look at that as a blessing. So I was like, absolutely, I'd, I'd love to, to take on that, right? And so you and I uh, connected, and, and, and here we are today. Yeah, yeah, that's I, it's cool that he that he uh, kind of explained it that way. Um, which I'm honored and completely humbled um, that he that he thought thought that and thought it was cool for you and I to um, connect. And I think the first conversation we had ever had, actually, um, I think you had didn't you send me a book? Didn't you send me the One Minute Manager? That was you did send me that, correct? That was like after the first conversation we had. That's correct. Was that even that was even before, right? That was through email, yeah. I think. Yeah, I, uh, we had that conversation, and that conversation came about because of your current circumstances at the time. And um, mm -hmm. during my, really, the past 10 years, one of the things that um, even my mentors have, have shared with me is that uh, there's nothing more powerful than knowledge, right? And so right. Uh, I've had the opportunity to read really good books that have provided me different perspective, and to me, giving back by sharing you that knowledge or at least sharing you that that particular title was a very easy. So you're right. I, I shared that title with you as, as well as the, right. uh, uh, the uh, emotional intelligence 2.0. Right. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that was, so that book was more recent, which I love that. I love yeah. that book, by the way, I actually had a friend ask me like, yo, I need you to send that to me as soon as you're done. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was unique in the fact that, Right, even before we had spoken on the phone, that through email, you're like, "Hey, I want to send, I want to send you this book," um, which I thought was was really cool. And I think Joe had kind of pushed me for for a kid my age at that time. Now this was going back two years ago, so I think 
you know, kids nowadays, especially with phones and, and things of that nature, um, have a little bit of trouble communicating as far as just having a conversation. Um, and even though there's more ways to communicate now, like I look at, for instance, my little brother and little sister and see, and see where they're at. Um, being that they're 16, 17, my little brother's almost 18 years old now at this point. And trying to communicate with them is extremely difficult because of, you know, it, it's not like, I feel like they cannot speak unless it's through text or something like that. Um, and I feel as they get older, I don't want them to, to ever get put in a box as far as them being able to speak to people without even like, I think it's, it's unique that again, I brought, I brought it up at the beginning. It's unique that you and I have never met, but we can still have great conversations. Right. I don't want that to then trickle down to the, the younger generation where if it's not through a phone, they can't communicate. Right. And they're afraid to step out um, of their shell a little bit. So what do you think are some of the important, well, one, why is networking so important? Um, you know, you brought up one good point previously, just speaking to Joe, you didn't get a job, but you still, you still stay connected with him. He then connected you with me. What do you think are, what do you think is the most important thing about connecting? And how do you suggest to younger people as far as, you know, if they've never gone out and just spoken to random people, if they ever had a random conversation on the street, they never been introduced to someone um and had a and had a conversation with the, you know a good conversation or don't know questions to ask what do you think are some tips that um you can lend to some younger people who might be listening who want to get out and, and and build you know a network and just and by building a network to keep it less professional than that just meet new people right yeah i look great question i um if i were to simplify it right yes um i agree with you life and itself can be complicated, but let's not overthink the simple things, right? I think a lot of people today overanalyze and come with agendas when they come to a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. I talk to my son about this all the time. I have an 11-year-old son. His name is Noah. And I tell him, you know, let me, I'll even itemize it for you, right? If, if you miss somebody, give them a call. If you want to meet up with someone, invite them. If you want to be understood, explain. If you have questions, ask. If you don't like something, speak up. And if you don't like something, share it. If you want something, ask for it. And if you care about someone, tell them. And I, I generalize it or I simplify it in that way because it really is that simple, right? How many times are we torn about, gosh, I really want to give Susie the feedback, but I don't want to hurt her feelings, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat around the bush. Or I really want to meet up with John again because he provided so much meaningful content, but I'm afraid to ask because I think he's busy or she's busy. And so to me, networking um, fundamentally has to be part of what you do. Because one of the things that was ingrained to me as a young man uh, by my parents who were immigrants from El Salvador is that you have to work hard. And if you work hard, you will succeed. And what I found is that everyone in my industry worked hard, right? If you're in insurance and you're in sales, you're working, right? You're hustling, you're grinding, and you're doing that. That doesn't set you apart from anybody else. And through the relationships that I had and I had formed, I had or sort of I had sort of the fact that it wasn't really what I knew, 
but who I knew that really opened up opportunities. And to, to simplify that meaning is your network is your net worth, right? And who you know sometimes open up opportunities for, for, uh, for you that otherwise you wouldn't have had you not known that person. So I never approached it as, gosh, I got I to gotta know that guy because he's going to get me a job or he's going to fund an investment or he's going to be a partner. You know, I wanted to make connections with people that I felt were going to make me better in the sense that, hey, they're in a different stage in their life and I'm curious to learn. So by nature, I'm curious by people. And I think some of the best leaders um, in any organization are those that are genuinely curious, uh, authentic, right? And more important, uh, besides authentic, would be um, vulnerable. And I think that's, that's for another conversation. But the point being is that uh, networking for me is a fundamental of what I do in my business as an insurance broker or an insurance advisor but also yeah. really just something that's fundamentally ingrained to me as a person, because I truly believe that we are in the business of people and it doesn't matter what business you're in, whether you're at a leadership capacity or you're the guy that's selling a product to the guy that's servicing a product. If you don't understand people, uh, you don't understand business. So I, I, I leave you with that. Yeah, no, those, those are some, those, I mean, those are, those are all great, all great points. And I think, um, that do, are you let me phrase it this way are do you get concerned when you see technology sort of taking over that that might lose its you know that might lose its place in the world or do you think that and i i do i do believe this what i'm about to say but I, i'm curious as your opinion do you think that people you know connecting p- person to person instead of through you know some sort of technology or not even be able to speak through technology as i said earlier um do you think that technology will kind of take that aspect, um, that human aspect out of it? And not just in the insurance business. I mean, it just in, in, in general, in, in life. No, because it, it goes back to the fundamentals, right? Um, I think technology should be used as a tool to um, enhance our, our process, right? It's easier today mm-hmm. to send someone a text message than it is potentially to pick up a phone call. You pick up the phone and make a call. But at mm-hmm. the core of what we do is we're still interacting and we're still communicating. Um, and, you know, I go back to keep it simple, right? You know, if if you truly feel that, you know, you need to engage someone or you want to meet up or you want to be understood, then make that call, make that invitation, explain yourself, ask the questions, right? Those things don't change regardless of the vehicle that you use to, to communicate. And so, you know, sometimes it feels disconnected, right? I might get a LinkedIn message by someone wanting to connect. But at the end of the day, I got to remember that this individual put in effort, right? Right. Take the initiative to type the message and hit send. And nowadays, how many times have we been in a situation where we have all the best intentions in the world and we were going to send that thank you note and we can't even send a simple text message to say thank you for your time. So Mm -hmm. to me, technology is not a hindrance. Um, If anything, it should enhance what you do. But at the core fundamentally i think i think most people would agree that getting a phone call getting a handwritten note and going back to some of the things that traditionally we were accustomed to will always supersede you know getting that text message or that linkedin request or that email that feels generic right we all want to feel like we're special and so to me uh to answer your question i i wouldn't deviate 
um, from the from the basics. I would use the technology to simply enhance what we do today, um, but not forget where we came from. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think technology is a great mm. it is is great on so many levels. But when it comes to again going back to my little brother and sister, trying to have a conversation with them, it, it is sort of difficult because they're glued to you know they're glued to that thing in their hand. And, and, and as, as a mind, I'm sure we all are, but it's important that, you know, you also work on your, you know, your interpersonal, would it be interpersonal skills? Would yeah. It, yeah. On your interpersonal skills and be able to communicate. And I, I think you brought up a, a keyword, which for some reason has been coming up a lot uh, from the people around me. I just hear it in conversation a lot. I hear it on, you know, like a, you know, like a Ted talk or even podcasts or, just people communicate like vulnerability, right? And being, being comfortable being vulnerable, right? People think that, and I thought this for the long way. I was, I was never the kid to ask questions in class because I didn't want to, I didn't want to look stupid, right? You know, I didn't raise my hand because I didn't want people to make fun of me because I had a dumb answer or, a dumb, or what I thought was a dumb question. And I think that it, it takes you getting out of your comfort zone and, being vulnerable to communicate on the next level. Am, am I wrong in thinking that? Yeah, you know what? I think that's a, uh, uh, the really the logical evolution of anyone uh, that truly is genuine about who they are. Vulnerability to me, um, especially at the leadership level, is a must, right? Um, there, I remember when I was working for Nationwide and, you know, I was um, – I was responsible for for a large operation um, for for the organization, and my team and I spent quite a bit of time talking about the things that were important to us. And a lot of times, that felt like we were talking about our feelings, but our feelings are factual, right? No one can ever take away or dispute how you feel, mm-hmm. right? And so, I remember I would go into a meeting, and you know, we'd have a new process in place and 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 maybe i didn't agree with it or or perhaps i had some hesitation but i would share that with the team and the reason i shared that with the team is that i wanted to let them know that just like them i was human and i had my issues or concerns or my optimism or my or you know my pessimism but at the end of the day i was doing it with them and part of being vulnerable and genuine and authentic and when people use those words is being honest with yourself and the people that you're leading or really supporting. So to me, you know, when I, when I think about vulnerability, vulnerability is not something that you just exercise because you want to be credible or you want people to believe you. Vulnerability is just part of the foundation or really the fabric of who you are. Um, I think we all are vulnerable, but a lot of us think that it's unprofessional or perhaps unorthodox to display that in the workplace. And some of the greatest leaders, uh, there's example after example, uh, who demonstrate vulnerability have some of the have some of the most loyal followers. And the reason mm-hmm. for that is because now you have become relatable. And so, uh, if anyone wants to argue vulnerability in the workplace or vulnerability as a leader or as a person, uh, I, I, they'd have a difficult time giving me an example of someone who's been successful without that attribute. Right, and I think that's that's a perfect you know that's a perfect little segue into you know. How, how do you, so you're, you're in a leader, you're in a leadership position, um, currently, um, 
and how do you translate vulnerability into your into your job into your daily activities and you know your leadership per se yeah well lack of a better word um not to correct you, I'm 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 in I'm in an individual contributor role now, but um, from my previous experience, um, you know, you don't need to have a title to be a leader. So let's right, no, let's with that. Um, absolutely. I think you know, even in my current role today, I indirectly influence and lead the people that I'm surrounded by, and how you do that right is is you know, I say it's simple, but it, it feels simple to me because of my experience, which is, um, you know, providing people feedback. One of the one of the things that I learned um, early in my career is that when someone gives you feedback, it's it's truly is a gift. And it was told to me in the same way. And I really didn't understand it because, you know, when someone would sit down with me and say, Jose, uh, I need to give you some feedback. Do you remember we're in the meeting and you said this? It really sounded this way and it sounded horrible. Right. And and immediately I wanted to get defensive and say, that's not what I meant. Right. And and, and I yeah. would say anything and everything to deflect. And so. After counter uh, countless uh, examples of me deflecting, uh, a good leader of mine, and, and his name is Richard Conde, uh, came to me and said, Jose, you really have to stop fighting it and really accept it and take that gift, right? And he always worded it that way. And I, I don't understand why he meant by that. But I said, you really got to take that gift and understand that when someone shares or gives feedback to you is because they really care. So he gave me this example. He said, so Richard's married and, and, and been happily married for many years, and I know his wife, Sherry, and he said, imagine if I came home at 2 o'clock in the morning every day and my beloved wife, Sherry, uh, didn't give me or tell me anything about it, right? After day one of doing that, you know, maybe I don't think anything of it, but after day two or three of my wife not giving me feedback for coming home at 2 o'clock in the morning, what do you think I would think? And I said, well, maybe she doesn't care about you anymore. Exactly. And, and, and he said, you're right. If my wife stopped caring about me because I stopped listening to her feedback, the worst feeling in the world as a person or as a human being is when someone stops caring about you. Mm. And he said to me, I don't want to feel that way. So stop neglecting the feedback, that gift, because that means someone cares about you and they want to see you do better. So talk about a paradigm shift, right? Talk right. about... Uh, perspective. And so ever since then, not only do I embrace feedback, I actively seek it. Because though those conversations, when someone's genuine, right? And we talk about the world, you know, giving feedback and receiving feedback is a is a is a is a vulnerable place to be. Those are the things that make you better. Right? Someone telling you, Jose, you're doing a good job. And every time you ask for feedback, Jose, you're doing a good job does not make you better. Right. What makes you better is when someone says, Hey, Jose, I noticed in your last meeting, you killed it. However, every three seconds, you kept saying, um, you said it a, a total of 33 times. If you could cut that down to half, your speech or your conversation or, or your message would be that much more clearer. I think that would make a difference. That just made me better. And so I think about those things as I think about others and I think about myself. And so feedback. Um, and, and, and having the ability to take that gift is, is more important to me than someone telling me you're doing a great job. Right. Yeah. I, so feedback has been for me, one of the things that I've, I think I've gotten a, a lot better with over the last year, right. And kind of removing your ego, because if you, you know, feedback can be tough, right. Criticism can be tough to swallow, 
like you know your your first you know knee jerk reaction might be ah, whatever like that person doesn't know what to, like whatever like they're just you know they're just what they don't they don't have my best you know you might get like you said super defensive um it might even cause a rift between you and the person but i think letting go of your ego and and that exact that ex- what you made uh, you made a great point if people didn't care they wouldn't give you feedback right you're I, i'd be more worried about those people who just keep going you know oh yeah keep whatever you know you're doing great you're doing great you're doing great and then a month later they go let me tell you what you haven't been doing right <laughs> yeah. right like like well i've even said i've been doing a good job if you know and now all of a sudden you you, you want to bring it up so you know i think that um and it's interesting because the company that i i was just i was previously at one of their themes for the year of 2018 was peer-to-peer feedback right and really getting people as co-workers to engage with one another and say you, you know Hey, you, uh, you did, I saw you did this in your email. Maybe try doing this, right? Or here's how I would have done this, especially with like the newer people, right? Here's how I would have done this. Maybe you could do this a little different, you know, instead of attacking the person, right? And I think, let's flip the coin, actually. How would you go about, so uh, getting feedback is one thing and, and taking in feedback and letting go of your ego and, and really understanding that people care is one thing, but also... I think being a leader is also the ability to give feedback, right? Not necessarily going up to a person and say, Hey, you stink at this, or, you know, you're doing a terrible job at this, but but saying, Hey, I think you could do this better or here's how I would do this. Right. How do you kind of um, incorporate that into your, you know, into, into your current role? Yeah. uh, Well, um, I, I, let me talk about it more in a general sense. Right. Um, Yeah. As, you know, whether you're in a position of leadership or not, um, how you give feedback is probably fundamentally more important than giving feedback. And what I mean by that is one of the things that uh, really stuck out to me from some of the some of the, the greatest leaders at some of the organizations that I work was is that when they give feedback, they were always very specific, right? Yeah. You and I and really anyone we know have probably been in the same shoe, which is Someone gives you feedback and immediately you feel like that's not me. And what I mean by that is I'll give you an example, right? If someone came to you today and said, you know what, uh, Bob or Jose, you guys come late all the time. Immediately you would say, what are you talking about? I haven't, I wasn't late yesterday or the day before that. That was an isolated incident last week, right? Hmm. However, if I came to you and I said, look, yesterday you were 30 minutes late to our meeting. On Tuesday of last week, you were, you know, 15 minutes late, you know, clocking into the office. And then on Wednesday or Thursday, you were eight minutes late, right? Now it's very difficult for you to contest that, right? Now it's not about you as a person. It's about the specific behavior, which is, look. You have demonstrated a pattern. I've given you specific examples of when this has occurred. And now you really can't disagree with that. So you no longer really feel defensive. Like you're, it's more of a place of, okay, you got me. It's a valid point. And uh, I really can't contest that. So then the conversation, it makes it very easy to lead into the next phase of a conversation, which is what are you going to do about it, right? 
So to me, feedback has to be executed in a way where um, you have to be very specific. Um, you have to come from a place of, uh, it's not that I got you, I'm simply sharing my observations. And more times than not, that person is very receptive. And even right. in situations where I had people contest my observations, right? Um, it was very easy for me to simply show data, right? And most organizations and businesses, we track all kinds of data, right? Mm. And so it's very easy for you to show that data and then have them explain to, explain to you why you think it should, or why they think it should be different or why I should view it differently. Um, and more times than not, um, they, they can't come or they can't really influence you on that uh, perspective. So, you know, in short, right, you have to be specific. Um, and also you have to be timely, right? If you're going to talk to me about something that took place three months ago and I've slept since then, uh, it's probably not going to be as impactful. And so I right. think you should always make time for what's important, right? Uh, one of the biggest uh, attributes, if you ever want to know what's important to someone, right? It, I don't care who it is, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It could be pa the pastor of your church. Watch what they do with their time. What's important to them, they'll make time for it. So if someone feels like they're important, right? If I'm making time for you, Bob, or whoever it is to provide you feedback, be specific, be timely, then you're probably going to be a lot more receptive to someone that, you know, you talk to in passing and say, hey, you got any feedback for me? They're like, oh, yeah, you know what? You could be a better speaker. Work on that, right? That, that, does, that provides no content. That provides no, no value to you. But someone that, that's specific, that is timely, uh, that is genuine, um, and, and more importantly, can, can provide you with those examples, that to me resonates more than, than, than anything else. Those are all great points. All very great points. And I think that um, being specific was, was something that you brought up to me. If you remember the conversation we had a few, um, a few months back, being specific, that was one of the things that stuck out to me was, was, was that. And I've tried to... I've tried to take that and kind of incorporate it um, into my life as far as not just being general, just being, you know, saying, here's what you actually did. Not just saying you need to do a better job or I need to do even with my, even with myself, actually, just in self-reflection, you know, being specific. Right. And, and not just saying I'm doing a terrible, like, I, I think I can do better. Okay. What can I be better at? What am I not doing? Um, what am I not doing currently that I think I need to be doing? Um, I think it goes, it goes both ways. And I think you also shared a story with me. And I think this is actually a, a great tie-in is that the first time we spoke on the phone two years ago, you shared a story with me about you having to fire your friend. Specific tie into that. I think it does. I think it, I think it does. I think it's a great story for you to share um, as, as far as how that went down and what that was like the first time you had to fire you had to fire someone it was your friend you know how how did that all go how did that all go down <laughs> <laughs> yeah i it's it, it's funny you bring them up because that's uh you know those are those are moments in life that that really shape you to be who you are today so the individual yeah, yeah. you're referring to is still a good friend of mine and uh, i'm sure he'll listen to this and probably take take a laugh at it but i'll, I'll lead into to kind of the natural evolution of that so yes you're right so I, I had a good friend of mine um you know i was about 18 at the time and you know i was a manager at waterburger and yeah so i was in a point in my life where you know i think about the fundamentals i was thinking about the fundamentals of leadership and i had a good friend of mine 
where I had to really discern the difference between business and friendship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this young man, you know, as, as simple as, as it is to perhaps work at a fast food uh, restaurant, uh, you still have to perform. And, um, you know, I was getting asked questions by some of the other employees about, you know, uh, you know, he can't do this or hasn't done this. Uh, we need help. And so I felt like that was my opportunity to really rise and shine. Right. You have your leading people, your credibility is on the line. What are you going to do about it? So I had had that conversation with my friend and I said, look, these are the areas of concern. And I was very specific. I, I, I didn't really be, you know, beat around the bush. I was, I was honest with him because I had that relationship and I felt comfortable enough to have that conversation with him. Ultimately, you know, after that, his behavior didn't change, the, the problem persisted. And so I had to make that decision to let him go. I was influenced to make the decision. I'd be lying to you if I said I did it on my own, but I was influenced by the, by the other leaders in, at the, at the, at the restaurant to, to, to make that call. And I think that was a moment of truth for me. And yes, I, I was emotional about it in the sense that I, I didn't want to see him lose his job. And yes, I cared about him, but I also knew that if I didn't do that, I would lose not just him, but I would lose the respect and sort of that loyalty from the other team members who were depending on me to step up. Mm. So in short, I'll give you a, a recent story of, of a, a similar scenario. Uh, one of the, the firms that I was working at a few years ago, um, I had a gal who was leading um, a, a team of mine and she was missing uh, metrics left and right, uh, you know, failing to execute on, on some key KPIs or key performance indicators left and right. And just the level of accountability just was not there before I took over that team. So it was extremely challenging for me. But one of the things that I knew is that we all, regardless of where we are and what stage in life we are, we all want to be held accountable, right? Because if you remember earlier, I said one of the things about accountability is that the moment someone stops giving us feedback, the moment someone stops sort of holding us accountable, um, it's the worst feeling in the world because that means someone's either A, giving up on us or they don't care. Right. And I knew that this young lady did not want to feel that way. She had been with the organization for many years um, and had done it her way for many years. And no one really had kind of stepped up to the plate and, and been that person to get, be specific, uh, be influential, kind of be that servant leader, be, you know, hold her accountable. Those things just hadn't taken place. So many, many months went by where I had multiple conversations. Things were documented. Uh, you know, I held her accountable. I followed up all the things that you would expect someone to do in that role. And at the end of the day, I wasn't successful in in changing her behavior. And it really bothered me because I left the organization without making that change or influencing her to be better. But ironically, there's a silver lining to all this, right? Mm -hmm. And the silver lining was, is that this individual on the last day you know, once I had put uh, my notice and I was coming back to Dallas, she came to me and she said, thank you for holding me accountable. And to this day, I'll never forget that uh, because her and I fought tooth and nail. She disagreed with my process, my ideologies, my methodology. 
but it wasn't after she, I was leaving that she recognized that the things that I was trying to influence her on were important. Right. So fast forward now, she's no longer in a leadership role. Uh, she took she took a, more of an individual contributor role because one of the things that her and I talked about and we talked about frequently is that your heart's not in it. And what I meant by that is you come up to work, you don't show up, you, it doesn't seem like you're here for your people. And it seems like you're just going through the motions. And to have a conversation with someone that's been in a position for a long time and believes that they're a leader of people because they have the title is not for the faint of heart. And I think me having those conversations, showing her example after example, you know, tying it to performance, right? The numbers don't lie. The behaviors don't lie. The activity doesn't lie. Um, I think it was an eye opener for her. And it took me to leave to no longer have that perspective for her to appreciate what it was that I was trying to to bring to the table. So, yes, at the end of the day, right, uh, my goal was to get her out of that position and put her in, in, in something different. I didn't accomplish that. But ultimately, the end result is that she ended up uh, stepping back from a leadership role, which I don't think she was meant to be for that, and ended up doing something completely different. And she's happier She's passionate about it, and she's more successful today than she was before. That's that's an awesome story, and that's a great example of of self awareness. I would think, you know, her the her, the after the fact, her reaching out to you and saying thank you for holding account, you know, holding me accountable. She really re- recognized the fact, maybe not in the moment, but after the fact, she reflected a little bit and said, you know what, that was correct. So why why do you think she didn't take it at, um, in the beginning? What, what were you think? were some of the setbacks in the beginning when you were trying to tell her when you guys were actually in the moment, what do you think were some of the setbacks there? Yeah. You know, I, I think um, part of it was she was uh, hesitant or, uh, you know, not wanting to, to make that connection with me and allow herself to be vulnerable. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a two way street. I think the other is, you know, we're all creatures of habit and she was, uh, conditioned or had a routine of how she did certain things. And I came in and I was disruptive. And so anytime someone comes into your life and, and they bring significant change, one of two things happens, right? Either a, we are, we're, you know, we're, we're willing, we're, we're open to it or B, you know, we'll fight it and, and, and we're defensive towards it. And so I think she was on the other side of it. Um, and so ultimately I don't think you get that perspective till, you know, they always say, you don't know what you have till it's gone. Right. So I'm not, I'm not trying to give my credit as if somehow I was what was the missing piece for her, but I think my guidance and the accountability was the missing piece that she didn't have. Yeah. I, I can attest to that. I can say that you're, you know, my, at least my experience with you, it's you're, you know, you're informed, you're very informed and, and your advice is always right on point. So, um, you don't have to do it for yourself. I'll give you the credit for that. Um, yeah, no, you, you definitely have that capability a hundred percent. So it's interesting because I, I think professional feedback and we're going, and, and I like that we're going on feedback here because I think it's taught, you know, it does tie into a lot of, a lot of different things because professional feedback is one thing, right? Personal feedback might be a different thing when it comes to experiences, right? And crossroads in life. Um, I think that if someone's giving you professional advice, 
you ought to you ought to you ought to heed that advice, right? And you ought you know you you, you need to take a look at yourself and go, okay, maybe they're right. Maybe I can change things up. Maybe I can do this differently, or need to do this differently uh, to make this job work, to make this position that I'm in work. However, I think on the personal side of things, you know, away from work, feedback might be a little different. You might take it a little differently, right? Point in case, I just moved to Los Angeles and the support was not there for it, right? The feedback that I was getting was not great, right? The people that I wanted to support me now from friends, it was great. But the people that I wanted support from, it wasn't the best. You know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do for this? What are you going to do for work? What are you going to do for this? What are you going to do for that? Where are you going to live? How are you going to, you know, how are you going to make it? Blah, blah, blah. It was all, you know, is a bunch of negative feedback, right? And I, I think that, or I don't, maybe I don't understand, or maybe I do, I, I don't know. But how do you, how do you think that you balance feedback? Is it different, right? So let's start there. Let's, let's start here. Is it different? I think it is. Is it different personal feedback compared to professional feedback? And how do you think, yep. Yeah, you balance those two, right? So professional, like I said, professional, you probably want to listen to that personal, you take it, but you might not listen to it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, you know, sometimes I think who it comes from matters. Right. Mm-hmm. But if, if you were to ask me, Jose, is there a difference between professional and personal feedback? My answer would be no, okay. because I think actually, let me not use the word. I know that, if you're genuine, right? If we, if we, if, if we truly believe that as leaders of people, we're genuine, we're authentic and we're vulnerable. What well, does it matter if it's a good friend or it's an employee or a, a subordinate or whatever have you, right? The feedback is the feedback. Um, I think it's easier to give feedback to an employee than it is a friend. And part of that I think is because uh, with a friend, right? You, you have that relationship and you don't want to hurt feelings. And I think sometimes when you're doing it with an employee, you know that it's your job and it's what you're required to do. And you got the backing of the company. Right. Right. But ultimately, ultimately, um, feedback professionally or personally should not be different. Uh, right. Uh, I, I think it should be again. Right. If it's specific, it's to the point um, it 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 provides context, it adds value. Right. And, and it's not. You know, we're not we're not seeking to offend anyone, right? We're stating facts, and we're doing it in a timely manner. Then, then those th- the 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 difference between the two is irrelevant. And uh, I've treated that uh, in my career, and I have seen um, people genuinely take the feedback and apply it. And maybe maybe they didn't apply it long term. Maybe it was like, look, I get it; it makes sense. You know, I want to try. And but but the the thing about it is, is that feedback can't be a one time thing, right? If someone's genuinely struggling with something, right, the last thing you want to do is give them 10 things to work on. You know, I was always a fan of let's let's address low hanging fruit. Like what's the one, two or three, one, two, three things that we can address now or more importantly that you can address because I can't do it for you. um, That makes sense. And how can I support you by providing you feedback on a continuous basis to show and so that you can see and measure your progress? Those are the things that really move the needle. Me telling you that you're doing a great job doesn't move the needle, right? Great job at what? My job? I'm assuming I'm doing I'm doing a great job because I'm still employed, right? Uh, the the things that really move the needle is when is when you can break those things down, and and whether it's a personal or, or business level, be able to provide the feedback uh, as I'm as I had mentioned. Right. So okay. So that's so that's interesting. So then, why? So then, why do you think it would be that 
when I'm looking to make a huge change in my life that I don't necessarily listen to someone saying, I don't think you should do this. Right. I, you know, you, you tend to trust your gut and trust your instincts. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's a great point because here's the thing, right. And that particular scenario, someone can tell you it's not a good idea, but, but why, why isn't it a good idea? Is it because the unemployment rates are at 33% and the likelihood of me finding a job is, is hard, right? Slim to none. Mm-hmm. Is it because the average, um, you know, salary of someone in California is 30000 and you're making 60000 right? To me, if someone were to come to me with those facts, right, very specific, um, then I could make a more educated decision. But the problem is, is that a lot of people come to you with feedback on opinions, right? And so those opinions, now you got to weigh the credibility. Who's saying it? When did they say it? What did they mean by it, Right. And so to me, that feedback is not as valuable as someone that could be factual. Now, granted, right, someone can give you feedback and perspective based on experience, but that's their experience from when? Five years ago, 10 years ago? You're in a different situation today than they were 10 years ago. So I always got to remind people, right? Let me, leave, let me leave with this. Don't forget, right, Bob, that you can start late. You can start over. You can be unsure, you can act different, and you can try and fail and still succeed. So it doesn't matter how long it takes you, right? This is your story. You're writing your story. This is your book. This is your chapter, right? And we and you have protagonists, right? You know, I'm fortunate I get to be part of that story at a, at a small capacity. Mm-hmm. But the point is it's your story. And at the end of the day, you could take everyone's advice or take no one's advice. But the point is, is that you got it. And so what you do with it is up to you. So I will never be the one that holds anyone back uh, or try to be the pessimist. You know, I always want to be optimistic. I always want to be uh, the person that communicates and, and positive and look, at, and look at the bright side. Because if you don't take risks, the only thing that you're going to live with is regret. Right. And so you don't want to live that. So I, I think that's, that's where I stand as it relates to that. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I can, you know, I can kind of see it that way and it kind of, it, it does, you know, it does sort of make sense. And I think the phase that I just went through with, with trying to get that was the toughest part for me trying to go through that, that decision to, to make that jump to LA. Cause I, I thought it would be something that'd be in my best interest was not having the support from the people that I wanted the support from. Right. And it was, you know, my mom, my dad, Joe, who we we'd mentioned in the past, was not a huge fan of the was not a huge fan of the move. Um, you know, people really didn't understand it. But those are the people that I was looking for. I just wanted my mom to go. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. And I think it was important for me to understand where she was coming from as a mother. Right? She didn't want me to leave. She didn't want to see me go. But it wasn't because she didn't think it was going to be great. Just because she was going to miss me. Right? Um, so I think if I had to give advice to to someone who was looking to make a different move in their life and was, you know, looking to make that neck, that change or jump, you know, maybe they want to start a business, right? Maybe they want to, maybe they want to move somewhere. Maybe they just want to go travel or do something, you know, something like that is commit first. If, if you think it's in your best interest, you know, do some, do some self-reflection and think and understand that it's in your best interest. If you don't think it's in your best interest, then don't do it. But if you think it will pay off in the end, then commit first, right? And 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 if you disagree with me, we can we can. I'd like to hear your opinion on it. But 
in my mind, for me, me moving to California was me committing first and not necessarily going to those people, you know, not telling my mom right away, not telling my dad right away, not talking to them about it first because I knew they would only possibly talk me out of it and I would never make that jump. Um, so I think it was important for me to commit first and then say, hey, this is happening. I've already committed and now I'm figuring this out. So do you, I mean, can you look back at a time where you had to make a difficult decision? Did you, do you think you kind of went the same way? Do you kind of agree with that? Do you think that committing first can be a detriment? I, I truly think, and I think Joe had mentioned that before is commit first and then figure it out because the more you think about it before you commit, you just talk yourself out of it. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's valid, right? So you mentioned, you know, trusting your gut and, and kind of that sixth sense, this, this leads perfect into that, that piece. Um, you know, I was living in Des Moines, Iowa at the time I was working for, for nationwide, um, running their sales operation, uh, regionally for, for part of the country. And so I was a great, I was, in, it was, it was, I was in a great space in my career, uh, you know, hitting key performing indicators, my KPIs where they need to be, my employee engagement was the highest. Um, you know, I had success after success after success as it related to business metrics. But one of the things uh, by doing that, when you're so invested in your in your career, you're so invested in in, in the people that you're leading. Um, you know, something else has to give way, right? You always hear people talk about work life balance. And work-life balance, you know, I, for me, I personally haven't found a secret sauce, but you absolutely have to have that to some degree. Which, so, you know, here I was, uh, you know, two and a half years in to Nationwide, and uh, I was traveling, uh, you know, to different parts of the state uh, where I had operations and I had teams of people that were selling insurance over the phone. And those two and a half years flew by so fast. Uh, I remember uh, my daughter was born at the time uh, in Iowa, uh, you know, and, you know, my parents hadn't even met her um, for close to a year because they were in Dallas, Texas, and I was up north. And at that time, also, my, my grandpa was having some complications health-wise. So I remember thinking, I really want to go back to Dallas but I really have a nice thing going here. You know, I'm doing well. You know, I'm getting acknowledged and recognized for my performance and my efforts. Um, I have good relationships at Nationwide. I was conflicted. So I had asked for help and I had reached out to various leaders in the organization. And, you know, I was, I was offered opportunities to either, you know, relocate to home office, which was in Columbus, Ohio, or San Antonio. But none of those opportunities ever brought me back home. And, you know, I had conversations with, with different individuals in my life that, that were influential and, and everything seemed to come back to the same thing, which is, Jose, what makes you happy? Is it, you know, your career and the ability to earn more income or is it truly your family? Because I always use my family as an excuse, right? My family is important to me, but yet I was conflicted about whether I wanted to choose them or not. So to your point, right, when I think about trusting your gut, right, is that sixth sense and more times than not, my gut, right, that, that, that sixth sense feeling, if you will, has never led me astray. So fast forward today, I'm in Dallas. I trusted my gut. The opportunities that I thought would happen 
uh, you know, in the organization and do other things didn't necessarily pan out. And so I ultimately made the decision to come to Dallas. See, it's been the best decision to come to Dallas. I've had more opportunity here and success than I thought I could have had. And more importantly, I'm around my family. My grandpa, unfortunately, passed away two years ago during that process. But uh, he was instrumental in influencing me to get home because at the end of the day, if I was true to myself, right, if I really meant that family was important to me, then choose family. So I'm in Dallas, Texas, because family is important to me. And my career, not so much. And I think that good people, talented people such as yourself and others that, that are in your social circle, no matter what they do, they will always be successful because talent, good people are very, very hard to find. And everyone wants just that. So I'm here today and I have the opportunity to speak with you because I firmly believe that. Interesting. And I think that also led in, I'm curious how, or I'm sorry, I'm curious how that led into your new venture, your new opportunity, a new crossroads, right? You had this challenge to, do I invest? You're, you just invested into a restaurant, correct? That just opened up in, in is it Houston or Dallas that it's in? It, it's in Dallas. It, it hasn't, it hasn't opened up yet. Um, we, we have some, some final touches to do from, from an approval standpoint from, from the city. Uh, but yes, the the restaurant will be opening soon, and and yeah, it, it was a risk, right? I went, I went against the grain. I didn't know what I didn't know, but I I I asked the questions, I got the feedback, and at the end of the day, right, it was my desire to succeed that put me in that situation, and uh, you know, I never I never took this opportunity or went down this opportunity with the mindset that oh, if it succeeds. Uh, there's no question to me that it's going to succeed. If I ever went with it with that idea, I certainly would never done it. So, but as you know, you're more than welcome. So as soon as it opens or when you're in, in Dallas, uh, you and I will have some cocktails and we, we can talk, uh, we can talk about anything. <laughs> yeah. Well now, now that that's a little conflicting because as much as I like you, yeah. I also hate the Dallas Cowboys. And if I'm ever to step foot in Dallas, it'd be very painful for me to do so. so no, I don't, no I don't, it'd be, I'd be a little, I'd be very conflicted on having to come to Dallas. But I, th- I you know what, you know what, I, th- I think because of you, I could, I think I could do it. No, look, yeah. wear, wear your Eagles jersey and I wear my <laughs> Dallas Cowboy jersey. We can coexist. <laughs> and we could break, we could break bread. Okay, I, yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, it. Hey, it, it's not personal. It's not. Hi, personal. Uh, that's all. Uh, yeah, well, not per- Yeah, you know what. I'm gonna stop right here because this it could get this could go a different direction <laughs> as, the, as the Eagles' passion starts to take over. But all right, man, I I, I just want to I want to thank you for doing this. I think we touched on some really great points. You know, things like being vulnerable, giving feedback, being able to receive feedback, right? Um, you know, the importance of building your network and being able to communicate, um, and then just talking about you know the journey so far. So I I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, as always, it was it was a great conversation. No, hey, thank you for having me, and I appreciate you. And uh, cheers to many, 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 many more years of success for you and and everyone in in, in your circle. Thank you for your time. No, no thank you, man. I'll I'll talk to you very soon. All right, bye. All right, see you. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, it's always a great thing when I'm able to get with Jose and and have a good conversation like that. He always has. Some great knowledge bombs to drop. 
Uh, hope you guys were able to take some pointers away from him and some great feedback from him. Um, as that being one of the things that we were focusing on there. Uh, as always, you can reach me on Instagram at underscore BG219 or by email at rgosa105 at gmail.com. I'd be happy to hear from you guys, whether it's feedback on the podcast, whether it's a question or you just want to talk about something. I'm all ears. Hope you guys have a tremendous Friday and a great weekend. I will see you in the next one.